Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle, the co-host and your head witch in charge here at Holisticism. I started Holisticism to help creative, intuitive, spiritual people actualize through their sacred work. And at the 12th House, that's what we talk about all day long. We give you tools to do whatever it is that you're here to do. That's going to be intuitive business practices like sales, marketing, branding, That also means learning about things like self-knowledge, spirituality, creativity, everything that you need to really expand as a person. I think that running a business is one of the biggest opportunities to level up and grow as a spiritual being. So join us twice a week to talk about everything you could possibly need to get the expansion pack and jump to the next level. Think of us as your metaphysical BFF who's kind of obsessed with productivity and intuitive business, but definitely has your human design chart memorized. We're pretty fun. I think you're going to love it. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and let's get into today's episode. Hi, Michelle. How's it going? I am great. I'm excited for today's episode because I was just reviewing my notes. I was like furiously taking notes as we were talking to this guest and I love them and I love the concept uh, that we were talking about. We had the pleasure, the privilege, the honor of talking to Karen Lepage about the Gene Keys and how they, this very mysterious and I feel like sort of mystical, opaque strategy can be applied in our day-to-day life. Karen is a extremely multifaceted, multi-talented, studied person. And I remember when maybe two or three years after Karen had been studying Gene Keys pretty consistently, was ready to do readings. And I got a reading immediately that absolutely was one of the readings that I will never forget and has changed my perspective on human design and astrology and just thinking about how all of these meaning making systems interact in such a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty infectious to hear Karen talk about it. So I feel like we should get into the episode because Karen really speaks for herself on this. And we talk a lot about archetypes because the theme of this series right now is archetypes through many different lenses. And so I hope that you'll be as stoked on Gene Keys as us because Karen is taking readings now. Her books are open. Yeah. And it's well worth any time that you can invest uh, learning about your Gene Keys because they really unlock a lot about human design and astrology that is just a new, fresh way of looking at it. It's not necessarily better. It's just it's different. It's a a new perspective. And Karen explains it so well. So without further ado, let's get into our episode on the Gene Keys with Karen. Karen, welcome to the 12th house. It's been a long time coming. I like being here. My Venus is in the 12th house, so, you know. I feel like starstruck right now because you are really a star in the holisticism community. And out of the holisticism community, just in the world, like in the Pacific Northwest, in Gene Keys, in human design, in sewing. Honestly, Karen, your goals. Not if you're motivated by money. <laughs> hey, hey. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, let's let's talk about that. So the not being motivated by money, is that something you discovered when you were looking at Gene Keys and getting into it and studying it? Or Yeah, can you like see that in your chart? 
or is it just a deep knowing? I mean, it was confirmed, I guess, but it doesn't mean that everybody's going to have the same realization. Just, just so you know, just these numbers don't necessarily. We have a lived experience. We have families. We have so much that makes us who we are. It's not just when and where we were born, though that can definitely help us understand ourselves and know ourselves. But I love how <laughs> Richard Rudd recently said some Richard Rudd is a founder of Gene Keys and used to be like super deep into the mechanics of human design. He wrote a book on circuitry and everything like very, very human design oriented. And then he's a poet. He was like, pull out big picture. Let's make it more contemplative and friendly and gentle and take our time. There's no rush to like understand everything. Obviously, he must not be a manifesting generator. <laughs> what is he? I think he's a generator. He's done a lot of work. so That makes sense. Oh, yeah, a lot. Definitely has built upon it. Stair step style, like they say. But anyway, <laughs> the non- motivated by money is very clear when I was selling cars when I lived in LA when I was 20. So like even back then was not a motivation. It was like I wanted to win the contest for the most Miatas sold. A Mazda Miata. Who doesn't want one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, especially in 93. A very good year. It was a very good year. I realized then I went, I went from selling the most cars to living in my car within like six months. So wow. that was pretty clear that I was not motivated by money, but I am motivated by security and being able to spend time doing what I want. So money enables that. So it's not the devil. Karen, we, you are an expert on Gene Keys and on the podcast, this series, we're also talking about our archetype embodiment through many different meaning making systems, which we kind of always are, but we're doing, you know, a little bit more of a focus on this. And we thought of you right away because we were thinking about Gene Keys as kind of the next step. Like, I still feel that Gene Keys are a little bit fringe, like, you know, if you know, but if you don't know, you're curious, but not that many people are experts in it. And I would love for the uninitiated, when thinking about Gene Keys, what is one of your favorite ways in or how would you explain it to someone who'd never heard of it before? I always like to warn people and tell them, like right at the beginning of my one-on-one -on -one sessions these days, I'm not going to tell you who you are and Gene Keys isn't going to tell you who you are. It can tell you the quality of consciousness, um, the quality of the way you maybe feel most at home being in the world and in your life and like the different roles you might play in different spheres of your life. And so it's a process. It's not something that's going to come to you in one day. I mean, the seven or eight-year-old eight -year me staring in the mirror at two, three, four in the morning saying, who are you? Who are you? Trying to look like into my pupils, deep into my brain, into my heart, like right <laughs> through the mirror. That kid is still here. Who are you? And so it's a, it's a fun process. It's a scary process. It's a, a heartfelt process. And Jinkies helps with that because it, it provides a framework for asking those questions. It is not, however, the answers to the questions. I have had the pleasure of having a reading from you and I'm still like, I think I know what the gene keys are, but I don't really know if I know what they are. And 
I feel like the gene keys are an elevated version or an evolution of human design. And I feel that human design feels prescriptive sometimes and tells people who they are instead of empowering them to just live naturally. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think that's why the gene keys came about. And I don't know that the modality itself, though, is telling you who you are. I think it's the delivery yes, of it. And yes. I think even human design has evolved in the way that it's that it's looked at. There's this whole new vocabulary Karen Curry Parker has come up with called quantum human design, where manifesting generators are time benders. And there's a whole new language mm-hmm. around it that is far more empowering and uplifting and expansive. Whereas, you know, you can only eat in the dark. <laughs> you know, That's me. I'm a, I'm a dark eater. I'm a cave One eater. One thing after another. <laughs> this is a whole aspect of human design I do not know about. Well, yeah, I went way deep into it. But I was also part of a group right at the beginning. I had a human design reading from Jenna Zoe back in the olden days when you could get one within a month and it was like $200. Mm-hmm. Like that's how long ago it was. Yep. But immediately, like within two weeks, I found this group who was combining human design and gene keys and talking about it in that way. And I kind of love that you can use the mechanics or the energy and aura type with gene keys as a like a the way you go about things. It was super valuable for me to learn that I'm an emotional authority, meaning like sleep on it. I'm not going to answer right away because I am definitely the immediate I'm going to text you right back because if I don't, I'll forget. But that's the part I didn't know. Relatable. <laughs> but I was always like, right now, let's do 78 things right now. And so knowing that about myself has helped me kind of be a little more gentle with myself. So I thank human design for that kind of permission to understand that about me and to give me some more space for making decisions. But Gene Keys, I feel like has expanded that, the space and permission even further. Because, I mean, how many years now? Six years? Five years? I've been like so obsessed with it. And I'm never getting bored. I never like have just walked away from it, which I do with a lot of things. I'll walk away and then it'll solve itself in the background. I might look at a different part of it, or I might not be as involved on a daily basis with it, but it's always there in the back of my mind. So that's why it's just always there for me now, because maybe because it's been so long, maybe because it resonates so deeply with me. I don't know what's time. Like, I don't know if time has anything to do with it. What is time? Listen, you guys are both time benders. So if anyone knows, it's you. Yeah, but you're the only one who could see it (laughs) as a projector. I do want to go back, though, because I feel like we buried the lead on what exactly the gene keys are. So they are an evolution of human design. The gene keys are like a poetic, creative, gentle, contemplative look at the same source material as human designs, which is the the structure comes from the sacred geometry of the Kabbalah tree of life mm-hmm. in the gene keys. The gates in human design and the gene keys are the same. So if you've had a gene keys reading or you're familiar with your astrology, you will understand the archetypes present in your chart. That doesn't mean these are the only things you can ever be. That I don't use it in a prescriptive way because of that. But <laughs> that being said, these archetypes give us something to start with. They're the ones 
that it says we're incarnated because of the time and place we were born, that, that these archetypes should be readily accessible to us or they're necessary for us to develop in this life. And I think like, why not? You don't have to believe in anything to try this on. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing I love about it. Oh, what I was going to say before is Richard Rudd once said, spirituality is not necessary for awakening. Mm -hmm. It is a hobby of the soul. Mm -hmm. Spirituality is a hobby of the soul. We can take it on or not. Like sometimes things mean something more and that is what we do for it. And that the meaning making system is just that. Mm -hmm. My meaning making system can be being a mom. It can be drawing things and connecting physically to the environment around me. It can be making something with my hands, wearing red because it's Mars Day. Like that's a way to make meaning of the day. And, and so like seeing that we can grab these meanings or archetypes from anywhere makes it not feel prescriptive at all, makes none of it feel prescriptive. And that's why I like when people said, oh, just because your human design says this doesn't mean you're not allowed to do something else. And I was like, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I guess people do think that, you know, if it says you have to eat in the dark, if you eat during the day, you're what, going to hell? Like, <laughs> I don't believe in that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, if astrology has sun, moon, and rising, which I feel like now most people know theirs, it's funny to see these shifts in culture where people, you know, even the average layperson might know their, their big three. So what would be, for Gene Keys, for someone who's just getting into it, what is the basic big three of the Gene Keys? I think it's the same, actually. The first sequence in Gene Keys is called the activation sequence. Mm. And it is your human design incarnation cross is what they call it. It's the conscious sun and conscious earth, which is like your natal chart information and the unconscious sun and the unconscious earth, which is 88 days before you were born. So supposedly like the energies at play while you were incarnating as a third trimester being. And those kind of tell you your, your mission or your genius or however you want to look at it. Like the, the archetypes that should be obvious to you are the conscious ones and the unconscious ones are those you kind of grow into. And so that's where you start for sure. But again, like whatever resonates with you, if you see something that really draws you in, like I want to know my SQ, my spiritual quotient, the heart of my inner child, like that's all I want to know. Start there. It's connected to everything else. So as one part blossoms, one understanding, some contemplation opens up something new inside you, you're going to naturally understand and see connections to other parts and other archetypes within you and in others. So you can tell I'm so excited. It's so fun to think about this. So yeah, starting with the, um, the free profile on the website is a great place to start. We love a free chart. Yeah. The other day, Michelle was like, hey, I'm interested in this new reading. What was it, Michelle? It's called The Matrix of Destiny, and I'm, like, obsessed with it. She asked Janelle and I, she's like, do you guys want a Matrix of Destiny reading? We're like, yes, whatever it is, yes. <laughs> okay, so we'll link the Gene Keys site for sure. And there's a bunch of information on there, but also it is like drinking from fire hose. Yeah. I love it. Not everybody does. It can be overwhelming. I think it's really overwhelming. I don't mind overwhelming. We even have the Gene Keys book at home, and it's a lot. It's a lot to me. It's huge. But, you know, Richard also said sometimes he wishes there were no profiles and that people would just open the book and contemplate whatever comes up. So bibliomancy, big fan of bibliomancy. 
He's like, you could follow this entire program or just open to a page. Or you could just read a book, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't even have to be this book. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. That is my kind of guy. Yeah. That's why I keep coming back to it. Mm -hmm. We're in it for ourselves. Do you think that that's maybe why Gene Keys hasn't caught on the way, same way that like human design or even astrology has? Because it's not like find yes. this one thing and learn this one thing about yourself that you had no idea. It's just, it's so much more free flowing. It's free flowing. It's also individual. It's also creative. Mm -hmm. It's gentle, poetic. It's not prescriptive. Mm -hmm. I'm learning more and more people want me to tell them who they are and I can't. <laughs> I can't even tell you who I am. I can tell you who I was yeah. and who I think I'm becoming. But, you know, in the middle of it, I'm just noticing. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's really helped me notice and pay attention to things. Like once you get a handle on your own profile, you can start to see like, oh, right now the energy of the 35, which is my evolution sphere. It's how I grow. It's the edge I push up against in order to become the meest version of me. Mm -hmm. It is asking me to make more room for magic. It's asking me to make more room in my life and not be so busy. That's what the 35 does, the gift of adventure, like seeing even struggles as something of an adventure. And boy, I've lived many lives in one lifetime. I am old Deuteronomy from Cats, I promise you. So <laughs> uh, seeing all of those as an adventure, sometimes in hindsight, yeah. is really useful for me. And so it helps me not get caught up in the moment. And yeah, I'm really trying to like spread out my days so I can be working on things that feel magical. Yeah. In addition to things that pay the rent. Do you think that archetypes are like contraindicatory to that because they can be like a little prescriptive in a way? Or do you think that it's more like here's like this more sort of like broad outline sketch of what this thing, like the container that this could be, but you can fill this container with whatever you want. You know what I'm going to say. I know. I feel like I, 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 I feel like I just answered the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was, I was leading the witness there. <laughs> we yes. think of it the same way. I also think there's something to be learned from everything, even things and people I don't agree with. So that's why I don't care if I don't resonate with one of the archetypes present in my chart. Cause it's some, even that like refusal or rejection or repelling is something about me that I could learn about myself. Mm. So I think archetypes absolutely are something that we can choose to put on or not, like clothing. Mm -hmm. We can choose to embrace them and live them out. And like I said, these are said to be the ones we have the the closest or easiest access to plus or maybe the ones we need to come to terms with in this this semester of life school. So earth school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But we have everything within us. We have access to all of them. That's why we can pull a card from the archetype deck and like, okay, I guess I'm wearing high heels this week because mm -hmm. that's the boss I'm going to be, not the Birkenstock boss that I am today. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we put on lipstick. That's why we put on perfume. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Know? We have a mutual perfume adoration, maybe obsession even, I think. But when you're looking at a gene, like the, someone's gene keys chart, I know that there are a bunch of sequences. My favorite sequence is the pearl sequence, just because I love the name, the pearl sequence. But what are the other sequences oh, that someone has to be, I'm like sparkly, um, that someone needs to be just kind of like tuned into in general to kind of see their chart? 
Like what are they looking at, I guess, sequence-wise? Well, they're looking at their genius, like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. with the activation sequence. It's kind of their adventure in this life. The next sequence in order, though you don't have to go in order, like I said, um, is called the Venus sequence. And that's all about opening your heart. It's about making a map of the patterns in your childhood and growing up, noticing what may have affected you or what energies you were in and what even ancestral wound may have come through that is not your fault, but it's still your job to fix. And all of that in service of becoming the best part of a relationship or the best part you can be of a relationship, your half of a relationship. Anyone who's read The Four Agreements knows you're only responsible for your half of any relationship. And you giving 100% is still only 50% of a relationship. Mm -hmm. I just listened to Brene Brown talk about that with Tim Ferriss, how she was talking about how... Really? Yeah. She was talking about you. it's not always 50-50 in the relationship, although you do come together. But like sometimes you're coming in at 20%, they're coming in at 80 or sometimes you're both coming in at like 10 and 15%. And if you're if you're coming in under 100%, you need to figure out how to be on each other's team and resource each other to like until you get back to that 100%. But it's never just one person. It's always a coming together. And so this Venus sequence about unlocking your own heart and noticing the shadow patterns that may have shown up for you. And I think this is not in the books, but for me, the way that I've been able to really become a better partner and believe me, it is a work in progress is to really look at where I was during these times in my life and then see what my struggles were at the time and see where I could have used me as a mom. Mm. And then I'm going to cry. Here's 14 year old me right here. looks like a freaking adult. So bring that kid here and like, look at what was going on. Like Definitely was trying to learn what's worth fighting for. That's the key that's there for me, the 38. The shadow of struggle. Like, look at an adventure. Look at life as an adventure. And I left the country and moved somewhere where I didn't even speak the language when I was 16 years old so that I could be an exchange student back in 1988. And it turns out the Berlin Wall came down and I had been in Germany for 13 months prior to that. And it didn't come down while I was there, but like right after. And so like, I just allowed myself, I was fighting for what was important to me, which was independence and knowledge. And I paid for myself to go there. I got scholarships, went there and totally, I became who I was because of that decision, because I was deciding what was worth fighting for and worth, wasn't worth fighting with both sets of my parents. I had lived with both of them at that point. And I was like, I'm going halfway around the world. That's where I'm going to find out who I am. So looking back and like mapping that and seeing like what was holding me back maybe, or what, what choices did I make or what choices did I feel like I couldn't make? What was I disempowered by and what was the situation I was in? And like, how can I be more compassionate? How can I be more loving to myself at that time? And so that's what I invite us to do in the Venus sequences really have compassion for every single age that we've lived. That strikes me as you're speaking about this, that Gene Keys seems more like a pattern finding system, but like, or or a pattern recognition system where 
you, it kind of like highlights the different points in your life where it's like, remember when you felt like this, like these are the, the instances where you felt like this, what do they all have in common? And we can, we can do that with anything. Like we could do that in therapy. We could do that with journaling. We could do that with meditation, whatever it is that we want to do, but how cool that we get this modality that just helps us see it in a different way. It's just a framework for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then because all of these are connected, we can even look like, oh, what's the programming partner, which is like the key or the gate on the other side of the mandala that supports it or go back into human design. Where is this in your body? What is it connected to? Like, what's the, uh, do you have a defined center where it is? Do you, is it a hanging gate? Are you waiting for the other end of the channel to fill in? Is this someplace where you don't have definition and you're here to like amplify and learn things? And I missed a part in the beginning that this is all based in astrology, all of it, because that's why you need to know your birth date and time. But astrology is divided into 12, arguably 13, but I only say that because I'm the 13th (laughs) zodiac sign, Um, (laughs) into 12 months, whatever, 12 zodiac signs, then each of these keys or gates, I'll use them interchangeably because they're the same thing, is further divided in these zodiac signs. So like you can see what's a Sagittarius energy, what's a Pisces energy, where do you have that? So even that is a correspondence you can use to help you understand yourself better. Why am I attracted to this? Or why do I... This is all personal planets, so it should all be things that are really not generational, but really like close to you and self-recognizable or self-identifiable. And then also the lines are more important, I think, in gene keys than in human design, but that's where your profile comes from. So I'm a 6'3", Wallace, you're a 3'5", Michelle, you're a 4'6". Like, yeah, you can say, oh... I'm a, my, I joked earlier, oh, I'm a manifesting generator. Of course, I want to drink through a fire hose and like do it all at once. Yeah. If I thought that that was the only way I could be in life, and then that would be a prescriptive way for me to look at things and like there's no other way, then yeah, it would feel restrictive and confining in like a religion or like a dogma. And whenever I see that in myself, I try to tear it apart. So when I say, oh, I'm this or, oh, I'm, I'm that, it's really that I'm embodying whatever this energy is or whatever this archetype is. And so each of these lines are the I Ching hexagram lines. And so it builds up from one to six. Oh, right. Each of them carries a theme. So in the Gene Keys, these themes are identified as kind of roles you play. So, you know, if we look at a sphere and we see a sixth line, well, that's the visionary role. But each in each sphere... It could be, for me, it's teacher as my life's work. So that's what that role is. But in another sphere, it might mean something else like surrender, or it might mean something like visionary, or it might mean something like disconnection as a wound. And so it it gets a little bit specific, but also can be playful inside the, the realms we're understanding in each sphere of life. And then there's the pearl sequence, which is unlocking your prosperity. And so prosperity, as my oldest child once told me, like, I just see money as like a river that you can just dip your cup in when you need it. What I mean, like, obviously, my kid is not. (laughs) I was like, do you know that my car was repossessed on Mother's Day when you were four and we like ate dried beans for like two years so that we could 
<laughs> pay off that debt. Wow. She was like, no, I just thought we liked beans and <laughs> that we like being outside. So that's why we didn't go to the movies. We just went for walks and we just, yeah, she had no idea. So good job, mom. Now, I wasn't hiding anything, but I didn't want her to grow up like I did, like with this false sense of, and I do mean false sense of scarcity, you know, and then being told we're poor, like we have enough to eat. I don't believe you and not being able to trust my parents because of their fear. You know, it's that is so real. I just said I lived in my car. We never lived in our car as kids. Yeah. We just said that so many, so many people, that's their relationship to money because they totally couldn't trust their parents because their parents would say, yeah, yeah, we're going to be out on the street. <laughs> we're like, no, we, you can't go on that field trip. We don't have enough money when that wasn't necessarily like it. Um, right, but I'm taking dance lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, huh. If we can't eat, let's just, I'll just dance in the living room. Like you don't need to send right. me to a class. Or even something silly like, oh no, we can only drink water when we go out to eat. Like you can't get a soda. You really can't get a $2 soda. Like, you know, like that, it's like stuff that's like, wow, that's yeah. so crazy that we're so, we're so on the edge that we can't do that when that's so, yeah, that's not, that's not necessarily true. It might be true to your parents, but like when you look at it pragmatically, yeah. not so much. And we all have this stuff and we're going to do it to our own kids accidentally too. Totally. They, because they're here to learn stuff. My dad once said, I'm so proud of you for giving your kids new reasons to go to therapy and not the same old boring ones. <laughs> There were so many new terms that you had said, something like pathway partner and then hanging gates. Programming partner. Thank yeah. you. I was like, all of this conversation has also been making me think of all these meaning making systems. We really, you know, pick and choose and then synthesize what is helpful for us. And I feel like Jane Keys is so brilliant because that's kind of what it's built on. It's like not necessarily saying that's anything new. It's really just saying, hey, we're borrowing this, we're borrowing this, we're borrowing this. And when we put it together, this is what we get. And it's honoring a lot of these systems that we already understand and know, or some of us who are interested. So you can just build on it. And it's like this really interesting contemporary take. You know, we take, I think, a lot of inspiration from all these different systems when we talk about different archetypes. And as we build on the idea, I think, as a community, not only as a team of what archetypes mean to us, we're constantly just kind of mixing and matching and making something new. And that's what excites me so much about Gene Keys as well. Yeah, me too. I actually did an art project that was Gene Keys related. So what did that entail? Yeah, there was a call and I was like, well, I'll try it. I'm an artist. I'm experimenting with that archetype, being that I've made things from nothing my whole life. You're very much the <laughs> <So> artist. <laughs> it took me a year to make and my life's work is patience. So you can imagine that definitely had me call on that. Um, but what we did was use the line of your core wound to a randomly assigned gene key. So the line of my core wound, yours is a one, Wallace, and yours is a four, Michelle, uh, minus a five. So the one, the wound is repression for the, the first line. And for the four, it's a wound of rejection for the line four. And so like overcoming that 
minus five. So my wound is guilt. And so what I did was I took the solution to the wound of guilt is forgiveness. So forgiveness of myself, forgiveness of my past, forgiveness of my ancestors, forgiveness of the culture Mm. that they were in and perpetuated and were perpetuated against them. The gene key I was assigned was 61. It's not something that's in my profile, but the shadow there is psychosis and psychosis meaning like we actually believe this popular like dominant culture is real life. (laughs) Like, What is that all about? So I took a phrase that was a wound uncovered in a meditation. Like I saw a giant book and I opened it up because I was so excited. And inside the book was just written on thousands of pages in different handwriting. Work is how you prove your worth. Work is how you prove your worth. That was my ancestral lie basically so that is the shadow psychosis like that's the truth i don't know it's not the truth but it is like my mennonite ancestors who were kicked out of switzerland Mm -hmm. so i embroidered that in this german font that was like from the time when this this vision came to me and then I changed it and I embroidered flowers all over it and wrote over the words and crossed out the ones that didn't matter. And then that became the mulch and the compost for something new to blossom out of those words into something new. And so that was a piece of art. It's like this big 24 inch embroidery. And I submitted the photo for it, but like I want to keep working on it. I think there need to be more flowers. It to be like the most maximalist <laughs> embroidery that there's ever been. And so one year wasn't even enough time. And so I feel like I really grew through that because I'm usually like, all right, I'm going to do this, do the next thing. I'm not someone who has projects sitting around. It's like I work on this obsessively till it's done. I'm a serial monogamist with work and with art. That's a very helpful thing <laughs> for moving things along. Yeah. It can be unless you had a question like, how much money do you make? And I was like, first of all, I don't know. Secondly, I did the research to figure it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, last year I ended up working for free for a client because I had to redo everything that wasn't done. And it was like eight months of work, like full time to get them caught up. And then, of course, I changed my business model. Like now there's an assessment for a sewing pattern client. Now there's an assessment phase where we see what's needed, a gap analysis, like using the tools I learned when I was on the team that helped save Ford Motor Company's credit rating back in the day in another life. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Karen, we don't have enough time. (laughs) I know. Karen always does this and I'm obsessed with it. She always just drops a little thing. Yeah. Where I'm like, sorry, what? (laughs) Like. (laughs) So looking at these archetypes and living these archetypes in different phases, I recently thought, oh, I have to give up my dream of being a singer. No, mm-hmm. I don't. I am a singer. I sing. It was my first job. Mm. <laughs> There's another one for you. My first paying job ever was being a singer at weddings in church at 12 years old. Oh, my god! Yeah. Weddings and funerals. I'm still the one. If you need anyone to sing at your funeral, <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> I'll sing at my own funeral too. But there's this threshold choir that helps people who are passing over into the next life sing them into the next life. Like, I think that might be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I want to know more about that. So, just because I'm 51 and a half years old almost doesn't mean that I'm never going to be a singer. So, dreams don't have to die, they just turn into different things. 
Absolutely. I think there are so many examples of this. One of my favorite podcasts is 70 over 70. And it's stories about people who at 70 or older completely change their life trajectories and their incredible stories. It's such a good reminder of age being really a concept. But I'm kind of curious, you you mentioned stepping into this artist archetype. And if there's anyone listening who's wanting to step into that type of archetype, how could Gene Keys help somebody Mm. do that? Well, a lot of times the permission's baked right in there. Like (laughs) yours, you have your radiant sphere, like how you unlock the light inside you, your inner glow, Wallace, is a one. You have the first gene key, which is all about freshness, bringing a fresh perspective. If that's not creativity and art, what is, right? And Michelle, your pearl and your culture sphere, both. Um, and when we have more than one sphere with the same, both of you have the same pearl and culture sphere. So like the more you, you are, the more you're going to be in the right place in the right time and serving the purpose that means the most to you. Um, Michelle, yours though is the eight, which is like exquisiteness. It's all about your own, bringing your own unique and personal style to everything you do, not just your clothes, but also that. Your aesthetic, your the way of speaking, your way of looking at things, your way of learning that attracts people. And it also is how it's going to blossom for you. Like you get to be this you who you are inventing. So for some people, yeah, it's baked right in like that. For others of us, we have to do a little more unpeeling of the onion to find the gold inside the shadows because it's always there. For someone who maybe an example would be Karen in your in your chart, you said for us it's baked in. What would be an example of if someone's just like kind of quickly looking at their chart, if there's some peeling back that needs to be done? So each of these spheres has like a different area of your life. So if you want it to be like what's going to attract the right people so that I, and it's not like what are you going to do? It's how are you going to be? What is the quality of your consciousness? What's the quality of your energy? Yeah. My purpose is graciousness. So my whole purpose is being patient and helping people believe in themselves, helping people feel cared for. That's my whole purpose in life. Yeah. Is that part of being a mom? Yeah. They might not always feel that way, but in the long term, that's where I'm going. Is that my purpose in being a partner? Yeah, absolutely. Is that my purpose in teaching a class and finding magic and connection, even in something as mundane as fixing your genes? Yeah, absolutely. So even though it's not like you're here to be an exquisite version of your own personal style or you're here to bring freshness and creativity to everything you do, it's still there baked in for me, but I had to look for it a little bit more. How do I bring this creativity or this artistic way of being into every moment of my life? And my pearl is the 26, which is like basically Mercury, Hmm. the trickster, tricking people into (laughs) tricking is such a violent word to me, but the helping people come to a realization that's good for them. (laughs) Mm. Which could be expansive. If used in the right way, any of these could be expansive or destructive, right? But that's one that's kind of, right. it takes some effort, creativity, and artfulness is the gift of that. But it's a way of being, it's not a way of making stuff or the, you know, the actual job, but the artfulness of every moment of my life. 
that's how the pearl blossoms in me. Yeah. It's not about who are you going to be. It's who are you continuously? Who are you really? And that's allowed to change. Yeah. Constantly. That is encouraged to change. Like that's what we want. It's all, but being gentle and open with ourselves and even in shadow work, you kind of have to not take it personally. If we're talking about archetypes, they are not personal. You know, there's something we can put on. There's something we can embrace. It doesn't mean just like if you're in a meeting and there's an asshole in every meeting and you're the only one in every meeting, you're the asshole. It can also be there's someone here who always sparks an idea, who always brings a snack, who always listens. You can be that one too. I love that you just highlighted that archetypes are not personal because then we don't have an attachment to them. It is really hard because we often are attached to like an an archetypal identity that we hold because we view it as positive, but really everything is neutral. Like all archetypes are neutral, right? Or they, they have shadow and light elements to them, whatever. I think that's probably why we love astrology so much because we love like, oh, I'm this, uh, I'm a Capricorn. So like, I'm good. I'm a girl boss or whatever. I'm Pisces. So I'm psychic. Like we, we love holding on to these archetypes. Right. Or I'm a Pisces. So of course I'm not going to make a list as an excuse right, exactly. when really, yes, you know, you're also all these other things. You're also all these other things you can identify with and embrace. Mm-hmm. And earlier in this conversation, you said uh, these archetypes that you can like try on, you know, like costumes, almost like when you look at your gene keys, you inherit this closet full of clothes, right? But you can always go out and like get more. You can always make more. You can change your clothes whenever you want. You can grow out of certain clothes sometimes, right? You can put them on the shelf for years and years and years and then pass them down to your kid because like, I don't know, bell bottoms are back in style again. So there you go. I just love that that highlighting of like, it, it really isn't personal. <laughs> like you don't have to take it so seriously. But you can make it personal. You can make it personal in an empowering way, or you can make it personal in a disempowering way. And since I take personally that I have a massive Sagittarius stellium, I'm going to tell you that I am optimistic to fault. <laughs> and I'm always going <laughs> to do the expansive option. If there's an option for expansion, a Jupiter ruled chart, of course. You're always going to get the upgrade. And that knowing those things kind of gives me permission, but it didn't tell me who I am. It just connected the pattern for you. That's the other thing. If these clothes are passed down or passed up, we can alter them as well. Like nothing, nothing fits anybody. So we can fix them so that they represent who we are and fit the shape we're in at the moment. And not just wait for some shape down the road, body shape, mind shape, spirit shape. We should be who we are now in these earthly bodies and learn to love them and each other. Is there an archetype that you're, other than the artist, maybe that you're embodying or tinkering with right now? And is there any intersection with the gene keys doesn't have to be, but just out of curiosity, anything you're dabbling in and working with right now that you're having fun with? Yeah, actually that 26 I mentioned, the magician and the 47 I have as that is transmutation is that gift and um, transfiguration is the city or the essence or the divine gift. And so thinking about how I can take almost anything and connect it to another thing That's the only Mm. part of Michelle's copywriting classes that I got right away. I was like, yeah, give me two things. (laughs) They're my thing. 
you were like, you said, what about sewing and magic? I was like, okay, sewing is magic. And then our friend Jamie was like, why don't you do a beginner class? And I was like, okay, that's what sewing is magic is. All right, here we go. But it took like two years for that to all gel together. The best, best idea. I enjoy it. And continually like wanting to improve that and expand it is is what's next for me, as well as the like doing more individual gene keys, like diving in a little bit more, not just the overview, which I've been doing for a couple of years now, not just the fire hose, <laughs> show people how to scoop, scoop water into individual teapots. <laughs> so is that a, an archetype of a... That I think would be the, the guide, mm. also the mother, because I'm so... I just fall in love with people when I see their charts before I even meet them. So, mm. I mean, it happens every time. It's so easy. Like even just looking at these numbers. Yeah, of course I love you too, but like <laughs> I would have anyway to see like, <laughs> oh, so much beauty in here. So much, so much possibility. So um, yeah, the guide, the mother, I was worried for a while about like, what's my legacy if I don't get this done? Like this way of making clothing, this way of talking about why do we use genders anymore? Why do we like, I only use menswear when I'm talking about historical menswear, because that's so dumb, like clothes are for bodies. And I live in the Pacific Northwest, people just wear whatever the hell they want anyway. So, <laughs> you know, it's not New York or Detroit where you get dressed up to go to dinner. It's like dressed up is wearing your hard pants, <laughs> which are jeans. <laughs> <laughs> like what about that my legacy is just that there are these two human beings who came out of my body and two of them additionally that I got to mother uh, tangentially as a step parent and um, my inner child I'm mothering and we're all mothering each other's inner children my daughter who is a trans woman never plans on having children herself but still wants to know how to be a mother because some people have shitty parents and we all have to mother each other's inner children. That's what she told me. So I have these people in my life that I made from scratch and also people I interact with. And the legacy is that um, maybe I leave a little piece of optimism or sparkle inside them. Maybe it's not about a method of making clothing fit people. Maybe it's a method of helping people feel like they fit in their lives. Those are the archetypes. It's archetype embodiment through sewing is magic. It's this is you're doing your life's work. You're living it. I got so excited, Karen, when you told me that you were going to be doing Gene Keys, leaning into Gene Keys more in a more mm -hmm. not real way, but like in a more spending more time with it and like embodying your guide. So how can people book Gene Keys readings with you? Because they are transformative. I feel like there was my life before my Gene Keys reading and my life after my Gene Keys yes. reading with you. Like I remember what I what I was wearing. I remember where I was sitting when I got my Gene Keys reading from you, like how it made me feel afterwards. I could not tell you what exactly the words were that you used, but I it really was transformational. So how can people work with you? Because I feel like I see a lot of different types of practitioners, but I very rarely see Gene Keys experts, guides like you. So how can people find you and book with you? They can go to exploregenekeys.com. And that mm -hmm. is the website, the domain that points to the Gene Keys. Soon I will have my navigation sequences so people can sign up with me. I'll have three separate containers where people can slowly walk through and really get some of the, the juice out of the fruit that is going to be born inside their, their tree of life. 
Incredible. We'll link, of course, all of that. Karen, this was so lovely. Thank you so much for coming on. We love you. <laughs> we love you too. And can people follow you with Sewing is Magic and anything Oh, else? yeah. They can go to sewingismagic.com. I'm going to be running another live session um, by popular demand. Hell yeah. <laughs> and after that, we'll go into the building a garment making grimoire, which as you know, I've been working on for a long time, but like what are the formulas and spells you cast and practices you have to understand how to make something 2D like fabric fit your 3D body without having to use math <laughs> by using things you already own and making adjustments, learning to see shapes the way I do which feels pretty magical. So there's my artfulness too. <laughs> that'll that'll come out um, next year. So we'll do another Sewing is Magic this fall. But people can sign up now and take it and then come for the interactive sessions. You always have access forever and ever. Amen. The greatest. Stay tuned. Oh, so fun. Amazing. Thank you so much, Karen. The Twelfth House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.